Those are not my shoes. But I do love Converse. And I have some on right now. Everybody breathe. I hope you brushed your teeth, right? That'd be bad if you didn't. So this is our our July series. It's called Breathe. Um, This is a series that you're going to find all of us can relate to, no doubt about it. Because all of us, at some time or another, feel like we're running out of time or energy. Uh, we, We just always like to the max right if you needed any any um evidence you probably don't but if you need any I, I found some these are really crazy some um examples of the lengths that people will go to to try to save time okay here we go there was a mother who organized her time this is her quote organized my time so ruthlessly that i always keyed in 111 or 222 or 333 on the microwave rather than one zero zero two zero zero and three zero zero because hitting the same number three times saved time that's crazy and we're just getting started barbie yes barbie and her husband's name was actually ken it's real and they're from phoenix barbie does the dishes in the shower because that saves her time barbie only wears flip-flops now i love flip-flops but I like them because they're flip-flops. She wears flip-flops because she has estimated that not having to tie her shoes will save her one minute every day. Then there's Robert. (laughs) Robert is a teacher in Philadelphia. Robert estimates that he saves 67 minutes a day by not chewing his food. So every meal is put into a blender and he drinks it. When he goes to a restaurant, he asks the staff, the servers and the restaurant staff to blend his food so that he can drink it. He only allows his eating companions two minutes to decide what they want from the menu. So our family's out. We're never eating with Robert from Philly. And how many of you know that Robert is probably single? Raise your hand. Robert is so into saving time that he realized what a waste of time it was. You know, like when you do laundry, I'm assuming even the men in the house do laundry. When you do laundry and you're folding clothes and you have to find the socks that match. Have you ever done that? You're like over this big laundry basket and you're like, okay, I got a blue one. Where's the other blue one? He figured out he wastes so much time doing that that he just bought hundreds of identical socks. So he no longer has to waste time trying to find the match. But none of that compares to Manuel. Oh, how we love Manuel. Manuel uses his coffee pot as an iron to save time in the mornings. He drinks his cereal out of a mug and has estimated that doing those things will save him 100 days over his lifetime. And that's not even the craziest. Manuel regularly takes laxatives so that he can go to the bathroom quickly, no matter if it's one or two. I'm with you, Amy, except for one thing. What I, know, what I know about you guys is that as crazy as that sounds, some of you are right now going, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Maybe not the laxatives. Let's not do that. But you're like, that iron pot thing. Wow, I don't, I coffee pot, iron. I don't know, man, I should try that. A few weeks ago, we were doing this journey through Luke. We're, we're in the middle of that. We're kind of taking a break to do this. And we looked at this um, parable called the parable of the sower. Um, in that, if you remember, if you were with us, it revealed four types of soil, right? There was the hard soil, there was the rocky soil, there was the thorny soil, and there was the good soil. And what I want us to focus our time on in this series especially is that thorny 
soil. It says this, Luke 8, 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. So I want to make three real quick observations. You've got note sheets. These are not the blanks you're going to fill in. I just got to make a couple observations so we can get to those blanks. Number one, things I just recognized when, when I was reading that scripture again, the seed didn't die. Yeah, we, even when we did this a couple weeks ago talking about the parable, I just always assumed that all the seed died except for the seed that fell on the good soil. But what it says about this seed is that it did grow, right? And then it didn't mature. And it didn't, it didn't mature because it couldn't breathe. And it couldn't breathe because it was being choked. What did Jesus say was choking it? Worries, riches, and pleasures. And what blew me away was, I don't know if you know this, all of those are good things. And I know what you're saying. You're kind of pushing back going, no, 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 Paul. Like, worry is not a good thing. You worry about good things. We worry about things that are important to us. You're, you, um, you know, you put your, your spouse in the car and they drive away for a weekend and you might worry that they could have an accident. Why? Because you care about them. Even the worry is attached to something good. Worry, riches, pleasures, they're all related to good things and yet they're all doing a very bad thing and here's what they're doing they're choking the life out of us weeds choked the seed so what that means is for the next month we've got to do some weeding i hate don't you hate the weed we have to uh, we have to do weeding we have to do the work because we can't breathe if we don't have breath and the weeds are choking us, the first step has got to be to pull them. Because when you're choking, the only thing that matters is getting that next breath. I don't know if you've ever choked. I'm probably, if I get arrested, by the way, Wendy, I'm going to tell you this. If I get arrested, it's because Big Brother's watching me, and I did Google this week, what does it feel like to suffocate? So now they're going to think I'm trying to kill somebody. But I was just, you know, if you've ever gone under the water, um, a lot of you will be in the ocean or in, in the pool tomorrow. If you ever go under the water and say, I'm going to see how long I can hold my breath. It doesn't take long before you start to burn a little bit, right? And then you're, you're like kind of, I have to hold on to a ladder so I can push myself further down so I won't give up and come up too quick. And at some point, it's like, all you can think about is I've just got to get air. And then on top of that, add to the fact that if you're drowning, you can't. At least when you're trying to see how long you can hold your breath, you know you can come up any time. That's what it feels like to choke. And if we're choking, I can tell you all day long, breathe, breathe. But if you can't catch your breath, it doesn't do any good. And so this series is going to help us recognize three of the most common areas where we tend to get choked. Our calendars, our cash, and our connections. Our calendars, our cash, and our connections. If you look at your life, those are three areas where more than likely you feel like you're getting the life choked out of you. So those weeds are huge. They're big. They'll each get their own weeds. So today, here's what we're going to do. I simply want to show you why it's so critical that you and I do some weeding. At the end of the day, what I'm hoping happens is that we walk out of here and you'll be committed to weeding because we're going to find out this. This is your big idea, that weeding out allows God to step in. That's a big idea. What is a big idea? A big idea is my admission that you won't remember most of what I say, but if you can just remember that simple statement, you're getting most of what we're talking about today. Weeding out allows God to step in. So I've got three, three quick points. Here's number one. We have got to be vigilant to see the weeds. We've got to be vigilant. If you don't know how to spell vigilant, it's on the screen. 
Um, I'm sure that we could, if we went around the room, we could probably name a lot of wars, right? Um, the, the war that comes to mind this weekend is the... Yeah, for, for those watching online later, that was... Right? The Revolutionary War, right? The War for Independence. Um, sometimes what I mean is like, sometimes they get names like the War of, right? So the War of 1812, the War of the Roses. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or not. Um, the War of the Worlds. I think we're in another war, and I think we can call this one the War of the Weeds. How many of you love the fact that they even round up? Oh, y'all don't do the weeding. Only people that do the weeding love the fact they invented Roundup. Just shoot that thing, it dies. And if you don't, you don't have to, sometimes you don't have to pull it. It just withers away. Uh, look in Galatians 5, chapter 1. Forget your Bibles. Galatians 5, 1 says this. Look that we are in a war. We are in a war of the weeds. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not allow yourselves to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The war that we wage now is a war to live free. Paul said, stand firm, not go back to slavery. Here's what I have found. If, if Satan can't kill your soul, if he can't kill my soul, he can most definitely do his best to fill it, right? He can fill it with stuff. How many of you have more stuff than you can imagine? You're just crammed full of stuff. The Bible is full of commands for us to be vigilant. Here's just three that you can jot down. If you're taking notes, write down 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8 says that we should be alert. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says that we should be on guard. Luke 21. We'll get to this in a couple weeks in our True Story series. Luke 21, verses 34 through 36. Jesus said this. He said, be careful. And then he said, Always be on the watch. So over the next month, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to be vigilant. I'm going to ask you to get vigilant with your calendar, with your cash, and with your connections. Because what you'll find is that there are weeds there. They're planted by your enemy. And they will choke the life out of you. Before we can do anything with them, we've got to see them, right? We've got to see the weeds. Be vigilant to see the weeds. Here's the second point. Be diligent, and I hate this one. I hate, be diligent to pull the weeds. Just, let's be real life, right? You drive home, you're tired, it's a hot day, you know, it's 100 degrees, feels like 110. You pull into your driveway and you look at your flower beds and you see some flowers and a whole lot of green. You see green that's not supposed to be there. And you think to yourself, I really should do what? I should pull those weeds. Now, now that I've got grown children, I'm like, I really should tell the kids to grow, pull those weeds, right? I should pull those weeds. And then your second thought is, ah, not today. I think I'll let it go for one more day, one more week. And then it rains five or six days in a row. And then those weeds are this big, right? I mean, it's one thing to be vigilant to see the weeds. But the truth of the matter is, if we see them and don't do anything with it, it doesn't help us. We've got to be diligent to pull the weeds. Once we see them, we've got to pull them. And here's how we do it. Everybody turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. I'm sorry, Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. 
says this, my son, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your great gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So how do we pull weeds? We don't swerve to the right or the left. We keep our feet from evil. We have to learn how to say no to some things. And if you start to get vig- vigilant, you start to look at your calendar, your cash, your connections, what you're going to find are there are some areas where you can say no to some things. And the way that you pull those weeds is you say no. You just say no and pull the weeds. Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1, fantastic verse about running this race. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, many of you have heard this verse, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Let's get rid of the stuff that hinders us. So one way to pull weeds is to say no to some things. And another way is to let go of some things. You've got things you can let go of. You've got things that are holding you back. Man, throw those things off. I love that verse, that word, to throw it off. Man, it literally means like take off a coat and throw it. Man, just let yourself be free from those things that entangle us. So pay attention to your calendar, your cash, your connections. And as you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to start to feel some tension, right? You're going to start to feel like, man, I, I Maybe I should let that go. Maybe I should, there's an opportunity. I could, I could maybe do that. Maybe I should say no to that. Maybe I'm already too busy. I should say no. You're going to feel that tension. I'm asking you, pay attention to that tension. Be diligent to make the changes. So we see the weeds. We pull the weeds. And here's your last point. This is huge. We've got to be content to not replace the weeds. While I'm talking, go ahead and turn to Leviticus chapter 9. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You don't do a lot of messages out of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter, Leviticus chapter 19, I'm sorry, chapter 19, verses 9 through 10. While you're turning, let me just tell you this. You've already seen this happen. Have you ever, um, like, decluttered your house, decluttered your life? And when you're done decluttering it, you sit back and go, ah, that, that was great. I feel so good. We, hey, we've got all this space. And then in a matter of days, weeks, months, what have you done with all that space? Filled it right back up again. This is why Tupperware makes so much money. This is why Rubbermaid makes tons of money. This is why people pay to have storage units where they store stuff that they'll never, ever use. But you never know, we might need it, so we'll pay somebody to store it. Because as soon as we make space, we tend to fill the space. And so this last step may be the hardest of all of them. We've got to be content to not replace the weeds. Remember the big idea. Weeding out allows God to step in. And he will step in. And here's why. Because God moves in the margins. Just jot that down on your sheet. God moves in the margins. 
How do we know that? We know it from Leviticus 19, verses 9 through 10. It says this. God's just given these laws. Um, that's what Leviticus is. It's an entire book of, hey, do this, don't do this. And a lot of times we just see it as this big, long list of do's and don'ts. But if you read Leviticus, you'll find there's a reason for these things. There's a reason he put them in. And so as he's giving them laws about how to live in their new land, he said this. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. When you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the very edges of your field. Don't gather the gleanings of your harvest. Don't even go over it a second time. Leave the grapes that have fallen for the poor. I am the Lord your God. I think three things happen. Increased margin leads to three things. Increased margin leads to increased faith. So he says, look, don't go all the way to the edges. Don't pick up all the grapes. Leave some of that for the poor. Leave some margin. Leave some space. And he says, the reason I want you to do that is because Paul is the best preacher ever. And because he said to do it, you're convinced you should. No. He said, the reason you should do it is because I am the Lord your God. I am God. And I will take care of you. So you see, increased margin actually increases our faith. It leads to increased faith. Sometimes the reason, and we'll see this as we go forward, the reason why we often don't like to have margin in our lives is because we're a little bit fearful that if we don't take care of it, nobody else will. Maybe we get that honestly. Maybe we get that because we've been, we were raised by parents that didn't get things done. Maybe we were married to somebody that doesn't get things done. But I'm telling you right now, your father, your heavenly father gets things done. And so when he says, I'm the Lord your God, what he's saying is, I'll take care of this. Leave it. Leave margin because I move in the margin. It leads to increased faith. It leads to increased generosity. I love the fact that this whole promise leads to generosity. Like leave some of those grapes for the poor. Be generous. Have you ever been in a position where you heard somebody speak, you heard somebody talk about an opportunity, and you were like, man, I would love to help that happen. Let me get my wallet out. Oh, man, I would love to help that happen. And you've got no margin to be generous because your cash is so packed. There's no margin in your cash. The margin here allows for God to move in generosity. And then it leads to increased peace. I love this. It says, don't go back. Don't go back and pick over the grapes that have fallen. Don't go back a second time. Just leave those for the poor. And what God's really saying is, and this is really important, if, you are the, if you're a personality type who not only likes to make lists, but you can't sleep if some of those haven't been checked off yet. I don't know who you are. You know, but your spouse knows it's you, right? If that's you, I mean, you need to get this. Increased margin leads to increased peace. We don't have to go back and check and make sure, did I get all of it? What if I miss something? You ever feel like that? What if I miss something? Have you ever noticed that we hit like our, you know, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50, 60. At some point, all these major milestones in age, we start to go, oh, have I, have I missed out on something? 
I talk to people that are grown now, and they'll say, I, sometimes I just feel like I'm, maybe I just missed the foundational teaching early in my life because, like, if I just knew that one thing, everything would make sense. We have this nagging fear that we're missing something. And, and is it possible that being so maxed, so stressed, being so committed to saving time that we are taking laxatives that we are wearing flip-flops to save one minute a day when we're that stressed and that maxed. There's no way we're living with peace. And God's, his prescription for that is margin. Is pull the weeds. Don't replace them with more stuff. And leave space for me to live and move and breathe. Throughout this series, we're going to see how those three benefits show up in our lives. How when we put margin in our calendar, suddenly we have faith to trust in God to take care of the things that we're not taking care of. That we suddenly can be more generous with our time because we've done what we need to do and we've not overcommitted ourselves. Suddenly we have peace. We don't worry about what we might be missing. Have you ever felt like, I can't go to bed yet. I need to stay up because I might miss something if I go to sleep now. And so you stay up until one or two and what you realize is that you, you did miss something. It's called sleep. I used to feel like if I don't watch the news and something bad happens, I won't know. And then I realized something bad always happens. I should go to sleep so I'll be well rested to deal with it the next day. <laughs> In your money, think about that. In your cash. Do you have increased faith when you have margin? When you have created margin with your cash, you have increased faith that God will provide your need. We'll talk about that a lot this, the second week into the series. Whether you believe in tithing, whether you believe in first fruits, whether you believe in faith giving, whatever you want to believe in, the, the bottom line is this. What God calls you to do with your money is trust him first. Give it to him first. The first 10%, the first 5%, the first whatever, but do it first. Make it the first check you write if you still write checks. Make it the first debit if you use debit. Make it first because by doing it first, what you're saying to God is, I trust you to take what's left. I'm not going to go to the edges of my field. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you to take care and move in the margins and meet my need. It gives you increased generosity because I'm telling you, when we're generous to God, he's more generous back to us. And suddenly you find that you have extra because you've not budgeted 110% of what you make. You're living on 90 and trusting God with that. And suddenly there's room to be generous. You meet somebody and you say, hey, someday we should get together and I should take you out to lunch. And you'll, you'll find yourself starting to say things like, let's go to lunch. I got the bill. You'll find yourself, trust me in this with increased peace. I cannot explain how that works. I just know that it does. And that somehow we have peace when we trust God with our cash. And the same thing with connections. Some of you, some of you are not the best friends to the people that you're friends with now because you're so worried about if I'm really friends with you, I might miss out on being friends with somebody that I haven't met yet. You can just see how we get so frantic. And, and in these areas of our lives, don't we become like somebody who can't catch their breath? Don't we become like somebody who's underwater and struggling just to get just up and just need a breath. And the world looks at us and says, wait a second, I thought you were the people of God. 
Aren't you the people who are following a God who said he would provide all that you need? All those lists of names that Jennifer read. Isn't that your God? Sometimes I think the world looks at the church and says, man, you don't have peace. Why don't you have peace? It's because we have maxed our lives out. So this month I'm asking you practically to look at those three areas. Examine your life. Be vigilant, be diligent, and then be content. Here's just what I want to close out like this. I am not a farmer, nor have I ever been a farmer, right? Um, I don't have a green thumb. I have a black thumb, right? If we plant things, they will die. Thankfully, humans don't die within our house. But we, we, don't, we don't farm. We don't, like, we just don't. The best we have is outside of our um, back porch, we have, like, these little herb plants, and every now and then we can clip some of that stuff off and it seems to grow despite our best attempts to kill it. But here's what I know if you're, if you're into farming and especially if you're into organic farming and that's big right now, right? Like, you know, farm to the table, the whole deal, that's super, super big. Um, and so I'm just trying to like research this. Like, what do you have to do to be an organic farmer? I also Googled that and so either I'm gonna be a murderer or we're gonna be organic farming, whatever one of those two. So apparently to be an organic farmer, to be a legit organic farm, you have to have a buffer. It's required. It's required to have a buffer and most of those buffers are anywhere from 35 feet to 50 feet. So most people, at least that 50 feet buffer, here's how that works. If you have a, a one acre organic farm, you have to have a 50 foot buffer around the outside of that one acre organic farm in order to be called a legitimate organic farm. And here's why. You can't, you can't plant anything there. It's just wasted space. You know why it's there? It's there so that the contaminants on the outside of your organic farm cannot get into your organic farm and contaminate what you're growing. See, even the government has figured out that we have to have margin. Now, I don't, particularly like to pay more for food than I have to but if you buy true organic food it's going to cost you a little bit more you know why because it costs more to maintain all that so I'm not going to lie to you and say oh it's perfect like just breathe like look for margin create space it's not going to cost you nothing it's going to cost you something it takes effort to live this way but in the end it's worth it to breathe I'm just telling you, this is scriptural and spiritual principles that even agricultural has figured out. You got to have this margin so the outside doesn't contaminate the inside. And, and if you're here, and not that you actually jotted down some of those, although maybe now you're scratching out like, I shouldn't have jotted down, buy all the same socks, right? <laughs> That's a great idea. But if you're here and you're struggling and you feel like you're being choked in those areas, then here's what you already know is true. I don't have to convince you of this at all. You already know this is true. You already know that the contaminants of outside are beginning to contaminate your insides. They're already beginning to put a little bit of poison in your heart. Suddenly, we're not quite as peaceful. We're not quite as patient. Things that didn't bother us can suddenly make us snap. We begin to live on edge all the time because we're so close to the edge. And God already knew that would happen. And that's why he calls us to this specifically. Create margin in your life. Create space where you 
can breathe. And when you do, when you weed out, you'll find that God steps in. And suddenly you can breathe again. 